Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, and um, just wanted to add my welcome here this morning. It's great to be here this morning, and as Amy said so aptly at the beginning, while the nation is watching the lionesses, we're here to come to take a view of the Lion of Judah, to take a look at Jesus this morning. And for those who haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, we're in a new series called Stories of Old, where we were looking at some of the most well-known stories in the Old Testament. And we're looking at um, what these stories mean, how they point us to Jesus, and how God's calling us to live extraordinary lives of faith going after him. And this morning, I've titled my talk, God's Mission and Your Heart Position. God's Mission and Your Heart Position. And we're going to be looking at God's mission, that is, God's mission to those who don't know him. And we're also looking at your heart position, how we should care for those who don't know God. And if you're here this morning and you're exploring spirituality, exploring faith, exploring Christianity and what that means for you, can I just begin by saying, welcome. You are so welcome here. Um, I hope that you're enjoying the worship, um, meeting lots of new people. um, And I hope this morning the message that I share will be for you as well. But... um, just want to let you into a little, um, a little secret, which is not much of a secret because I'm going to share it with everyone, which is this. Your Christian friends who might be sat next to you or who might invited you today, um, they want the absolute best for your life, which I'm sure they'll want for, you'll want for their life as well. But I'm 99.9% sure that one of those things will be that they would love you to come to know Jesus in your life, that you would come to know God in your life. And the reason for this is because they have experienced God's love, God's power, God's transforming presence in their life. And it's given you a hope, given them a hope for their future. But here's the other thing. Despite the fact that your Christian friend might want this for you in your life, the reality also is that they find it so hard to share their faith. Well, for most Christians, they find it really hard to share their faith. And that could be for a whole host of reasons. That could be because they they feel awkward about sharing something that's deeply personal to them, but you you might not understand, or they feel that you might not understand. That might be that they fear rejection in a friendship. They fear that they might come across too pushy, and there might be lots of other reasons why that might be the case. Now, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, hopefully you know something of what I'm talking about. And can I just say as an aside, if that's you here this morning, you know, ask the Lord for more courage, ask for more, um, more faith as you, and, um, as you share that with your faith with others. And in those situations, ask God to give you wisdom to know what the right words are to share. But this morning, we're going to be looking at something on a much deeper level and The question that some people ask when it comes to sharing your faith is this. Why doesn't God just get on with it on his own? You know, like God is all powerful, he's all loving. So surely it'd be far more effective, far more constructive, far more productive that he just cracked on and got on with showing who he is to people on his own instead of involving us. After all, it's a bit of effort us being involved 
And we all know as Christians that the gospel means good news. The good news that God has come into our lives and has transformed our lives and gives us a hope for a future. But the trouble is, is that when you become a Christian, Jesus says in his great commission, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, for some of us, we love that. We love that commission. We're like, yeah, I'm going to tell the world about who Jesus is. But for some of us, that can feel just like a bit of effort, like something else to do on our, to jo- our jobs to-do list and something that's an add-on from the main thing of what it is to know God, which isn't the case. And today we're going to be looking at one of these incredible stories of faith in the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. And it's all about God's mission and Jonah's heart position. And from this book, what we learn is that in Jonah's life, yes, God has a heart for, the, um, for those that don't know him, a deep heart for those that don't know him. But he also wants to do a deep work in Jonah's life as well. And I sense today that God wants to do a great work in our lives as well, as he, he changes us, as he helps us to care for the things that he cares about the most. Now, The book of Jonah, I love the book of Jonah. And the reason I love the book of Jonah is because Jonah is probably one of the worst prophets in the whole Bible. Like he screws it up all the time. And the reason I like him as well is because he's probably one of the most relatable people in the whole Bible. Because when you look at the person of Jonah, you figure out that like, actually he's, he's a bit like me. Um, he's a bit selfish. He kind of does things his, his own way. And you can kind of relate to his experience. And when you look at Jonah, you think, if God can do a work in a man like him, then perhaps he can do a work in someone like me or you. Now, I'm just going to give you like, I'm just going to blast through the book of Jonah. Hopefully, it'll be in 75 seconds, so you can count me if you want. It's written in the years, well, it's written with the years in mind of BC 780 and 742 in mind. Um, and I'm going to race through it. If you've got a Bible, open it up because it'd be really good to track. And I'm going to read out the fourth chapter. So do you have that in front of you? So here you go. Chapter one, Jonah gets called by God. Um, to go to Nineveh. Jonah decides to not go to Nineveh, but goes um, a thousand miles west to the place of Tarshish. So he jumps on a boat. God sends a storm. The sailors end up chucking Jonah off the side of the ship. And then God sends a big fish to swallow up Jonah to rescue him. Chapter two, Jonah is in the belly of the big fish and he's thanking God for saving him, for rescuing him, for showing him mercy. Then God calls the big fish to vomit. I like that word, vomit. (laughs) Um, Vomit Jonah up onto the seashore. Chapter three, we get Jonah being called by God a second time, the God of the second chances. And then he sends Jonah again to the city of Nineveh. Surprisingly, the people of Nineveh, who are very, very evil people, They repent, the king, the people, and even the cows repent. They humble themselves and they say sorry to God. Um, They turn towards God. We then get to chapter four and what we see here with Jonah is instead of being delighted that God's mission was successful, that these really hard people who shouldn't really repent have repented, instead of being happy about it, he is furious with God because of it. And that's where we pick up our reading from chapter four. So do get it out in your Bibles. It's going to come up on the screen as well. So here we go, starting chapter four, verse one. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, 
Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I may haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah that it might shade over his head. I get the idea that he's bald, but anyway, that's just my imagination. He got shade over his head to save him from um, the, the, the discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you do not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. So that's the end of the reading and end of the book. So what we see in this chapter is this interplay between God's mission, Jonah questioning God's mission, and we also see um, Jonah's heart condition, which God questions. Now, I've got two short points here this morning. And the first is this. Being narcissistic stops you being evangelistic. Being narcissistic stops you being evangelistic. For those who don't know what narcissism is or being narcissistic, being narcissistic is being obsessed with yourself it means to be self-absorbed. It means to put yourself at the center of the world, of your own world. Now, there's some who reckon that we live here in the UK in one of the most narcissistic, most absorbed cultures in the history of our country. And some of the sayings which, or some of the messaging that our culture puts out um, really kind of captures um, the fact that we can be quite narcissistic. And so here's some of the sayings. Follow your heart, follow your dreams, be whatever you want to be, be true to yourself, believe in yourself, live your truth. And in the church, the way that we even relate to God can sometimes be narcissistic. So often when I walk out of church, people, instead of talking about how good God is, they're talking about how good their experience of worship was for them, not how good it was for God, but their experience of worship was for them. And when we apply our faith in lots of different areas of life, the question is not, oh God, how can I bless you in my work, in my career, in my relationships? It's, it's, it's kind of like, oh, what God, can God just do for me and in my life? And the danger is that we can be so inward focused in our relationship with God, that it impacts how you see 
others and how you see yourself and how you see God. Where you'd rather do things to serve yourself rather than God. And one of the ways in which God loves to show your narcissism is through sharing your faith through this tool of evangelism. And this is what we see in part in the book of Jonah. And so with the story of Jonah, we see Jonah's narcissism on display throughout this book. In chapter one, when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, he thought, well, forget that. I'm going to go in the other direction. You know, selfish. When he's on the boat with the pagan sailors, instead of like helping them stopping the boat sinking, he decides, you know what? It'll be fine. I'll just have a little nap while that's all going on. You know, incredibly selfish, incredibly narcissistic. We then jump to chapter four where we were this, um, this morning with the passage and we go to verse five. Now Jonah, instead of staying in Nineveh after they repented, Jonah sits on the hill with his popcorn, hoping that they might just slip up again and hopes that God will destroy them anyway. How selfish is that? And then what we see in verses five and eight, Jonah is just incredibly melodramatic, dramatically asking God several times, just kill me now. And when the plant shades his head, he is euphoric. And when the plant is gone, he throws a hissy fit. And all of this shows how Jonah is focused on himself, his prideful self-centeredness brings out of him all of these negative characteristics of, of anger <clears throat> and many other things and bitterness. And we, he actually thinks in some ways that he, his ways are better than God's ways. And ironically, Jonah, who is a prophet of the chosen people of Israel, who should know God the best, He's the one whose heart is further away from God and he continues to run further away from God. Compare and contrast that with the pagan sailors that when they realise they'd done wrong and chucked him in the, um, into the sea, they're the first people to repent. For the Ninevites, as soon as they hear the word of the Lord, they repent. Compare that to Jonah who's so slow to turn his heart towards the Lord. But what is amazing here that God decided to save Nineveh. He decided to save them despite of Jonah. He was going to do it anyway. However, how much happier, how much more satisfied and arguably how much more fruitful would it have been if Jonah had decided to put God as number one in the first place and instead of thinking about himself, started to think about the Lord first and foremost. And the point of the book of Jonah is also to put a mirror up to, to you here this morning as well as the reader. Do you, like Jonah, put yourself in the number one position? Or do you put God in the number one position, which in turn will turn you outwards to look up towards him and outwards towards others? But what's wonderful about God, like he was with Jonah, is that God doesn't kind of challenge Jonah by throwing a ton of bricks at him. What he does is that he comes alongside him on the hillside and he gently speaks to Jonah in a kind and caring way, challenging his state of mind and state of heart. 
And like Jonah, what's wonderful is that God does that with you and me as well today. He does this by the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, who is the one who draws alongside the paraclete, the one who counsels you, the one who teaches you, the one who lovingly convicts you so that you might see that same transformation in your heart by putting God number one in your life and all the associated characteristics he wants to work on within you. And so this morning, how is the Lord challenging your heart from turning you from being inward to turning you to being outward, looking upwards, um, upwards and outwards towards other And I just pray even now as we um, are at this point that the Holy Spirit might be showing you what those things might be for you now. So that's my first point. We're now going to jump on to my second point. Um, Many of you will will have heard of the saying, sharing is caring. But I'm just going to flip that around a little bit. Um, And here's my second point. God's caring should lead you to sharing. God's caring should lead you to sharing. And what I mean by this is God's deep heart towards those who are, I quote, the lost, which is how the Bible describes those who don't know God. And it's when you capture God's care, when you capture his heart, that that will be the motivation, that will be the drive to you sharing who he is for sharing your faith. Now, in this passage, while Jonah is angry, angry with God, um, angry with the Ninevites, angry with his stupid plant that a worm eats. (laughs) You compare and contrast that with who God is in this passage, who is caring and compassionate. What we see in Jonah chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 is that Jonah is quoting, if you've got that in front of you, do whack it open, but Jonah is quoting a very important bit of scripture, which was said by God hundreds of years before. And he's quoting from Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, when when Moses is on a mountain and God reveals who his character is, God revealing his character to Moses. But instead of Jonah using that as a way of praising God, saying, this is who you are, that you are gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Instead, what Jonah does is he uses it as an insult against against God. He uses it in an insult. And what he's doing, he's throwing back at it back at God and saying, you're too compassionate. You're too forgiving. You're too loving towards Nineveh. What's the problem with you, God? And you see, the problem wasn't with God's mission, which is what Jonah thought. The real problem was with Jonah's heart condition and his heart position that God needed to change which is what we see throughout this chapter, God challenging within Jonah. Now, I just want to zoom into that quote. So again, looking at verses two and three, there's one of these characteristics which talks about God's compassion. Now, that word is really, really important because when you look at it in the Hebrew, which I did a little bit of looking into, um, what you find is, is that God's compassion isn't the way in like when we say, I feel compassionate about something, I feel a little bit sorry for you. The Hebrew word that's used there is rakum, which comes um, and is closely related to the word rakum, which um, literally means the word womb. 
And the idea is, is that this compassion is so deeply rooted within you, so core to who you are. It, it's describing the intense bond that, um, like, that someone might have, like a mother might have for their newborn baby. It's, it's so intense, it's so caring, it's so nurturing. Another word that's used in English to translate this, um, which I'm going to have to look at my notes for because I've forgotten it, is, is deeply stirred, expressing this, this heartfelt emotion, this intense bond. And this is the sort of deep compassion that God not only has for Israel, but he has for the Ninevites as well. And if you jump to the last two verses in your Bible, which should also come up on the screen as well, we see God's compassion on display, that intense love, devotion, care, compassion that we see um, in, in that verse before as well. And it says this in verses 10 and 11. You, Jonah, pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there is more than 120,000 persons who did not know their right hand from their left hand, and also much cattle. And so God's challenge here is for Jonah, but it's also for you and for me. And it's this, if Jonah, if you can pity the plant, Jonah, then surely you should have more care and compassion for a person And not just a person, but for a whole city of 120,000 lives. And what God wants to show Jonah is that that compassion that he has for for Nineveh is not based on what they've done, um, but it's based on who God is and how he cares for them. They don't deserve God's love. They don't deserve God's compassion in, um, in Jonah's eyes. Yet God was so deeply stirred with that womb-like love that he would love them anyway. And this is the thing that should have deeply stirred Jonah, that just in the same way that they didn't deserve God's love, but God loved Nineveh anyway, this should remind him of the love that God has for him, the way that he could be deeply loved by God, that he didn't deserve God's love, but God would love him anyway, that God would choose to pour out his love and compassion out on Jonah anyway. And the incredible thing about God is this, that what you realise here is that God didn't just want to, he didn't want to destroy Nineveh, he wanted to, to care for them, he wanted to nurture them, he wanted to love them. And what we see here is that God sees them as, as lost. Um, he says to Jonah, doesn't he, they don't know their right hand from their left hand. He sees them as a bit lost and he longs to be revealed. He longs for them to know their maker and come into relationship with him again. He longs for them to be found by him. As Christians, we know the story too, don't we? There's that song, Amazing Grace, which says this, um, halfway through the first verse, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. As Christians, we were once lost, but then we were found by God's love, compassion, and care, and that transformed our lives. 
And we're so, so grateful for this. And what that should also do within us is that as we get to know God, that should stir our hearts to have that same love, that same compassion for others as God has that. Others might be able to reconnect with their maker, with God as well. And what you do, what we find is that God not only uses Jonah, but he also uses you and me to do that particular work. And he wants to grow within us this gutsy compassion for others too. And what stirs me the most is the difference between Jonah and Jesus when we look onto Jesus. With Jonah, he sits on the hill shouting at God, hoping that they'll be destroyed. Whereas Jesus, he sits on the mountaintop before he dies and he says, I long to bring you like a, um, like a mother hen longs to bring her chicks. He has care and compassion for them. And there's the same, isn't there, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, where Jonah is despising the Ninevites. Jesus, when he's being tortured, couldn't bear to think anything else but the people in front of him and think of you. And in Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And what that says is, Jesus had you first in mind. He had them first at mind when he was going through that. When someone's going through a hard time, what they do really shows the quality of character of who they are. And what you see with God, what you see in Jesus, is that he was thinking of you. Oh, I don't want them to be lost. I don't want them to be destroyed. I don't want them to be hurt. I want them to be cared for and forgiven. I want them to be loved um, and know that they're loved. And so as I come into land and as I invite the worship team up, um, the question for you this morning, as like Jonah, he was sitting on the hillside, you're sitting in your chair here this morning, how's God coming alongside you this morning? And what is he saying to you this morning about how you can deeply care for others as well? How does he want to change and transform your heart as well? And that comes with a number of challenges. One challenge is about the gospel. Do you know the gospel this morning? Do you know how good God is? Do you know what he's done for you? And to be recaptivated by that again. There's the challenge of, do we care for others that like God cares for them? You know, you might be in a really difficult situation at the moment, or maybe not a difficult situation at all. And you've got a boss who's really, really difficult or a colleague or, um, or, or anyone really. And Maybe the challenge for you here this morning is, can I love them with the same compassion and care that, that, you know, that God has for them? And finally, just like God cares for the big city of Birmingham, do you, of, um, Birmingham do you care for the big city of Birmingham too, of over a million people? And I'm sure you're fairly familiar to, um, to me, and well done for, for listening, by the way, but... I'm pretty sure, just a slight possibility that God has something to do in you like he's had to do in me as well today. So this morning we've heard about God's mission and your heart position, that we need to stop being narcissistic because it stops you being evangelistic and how God's caring should lead you to sharing. And I think there's two responses this morning. 
And the first response is to those who are exploring faith or are here this morning like, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this person called Jesus. I'm interested in God. And it might be this morning that God might be tugging on the heartstrings of your heart for the very first time, or it's like the penny has dropped for the first time. And you know in your heart of hearts that this God is real, that he's gone after you, and you know that the right response is to follow him. And we want to offer the opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus this morning. And how we're gonna do that is in just a second, is that, and there's gonna be some words that come up on the screen, and I'm gonna invite everyone to stand. And, um, and all of us, I guess, have a corporate response of saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. So we're all gonna say this prayer together as a way of saying, I want your way, God. I want to stop being selfish. I wanna follow you. I want to care for the things that you care about. And so praying that prayer is a response for you. But following doing that prayer, what we're gonna ask everyone to do is we're gonna ask you to, to close your eyes and, um, and we're gonna give people the opportunity who haven't prayed a prayer like that for the first time or the first time in a very long time to have the opportunity to stick your hand up in the air to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And the reason that we want to do this is when you wake up tomorrow in a couple of years time, Doing a physical thing, a physical response and someone else seeing you allows you to be like, yeah, I did actually make that decision. I did choose to follow Jesus. And so, um, and then I'll, I'll clock you. Some of the Hello and Welcome team will clock you. You'll be given a bag and a really, really warm welcome if that's you. And then there'll be something else that we're gonna respond to as well straight after that. So can I invite everybody to stand to their feet? And the words are gonna come up on the screen right now. Here we go, let's pray this prayer together. Thank you God for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know I have made mistakes and now I ask for your total forgiveness. I turn away from everything I know is wrong. Today, I choose to put my faith in you and say yes to following you. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Amen. Now, as I said, if everyone could just close their eyes just for a second, just out of respect for those who are around you. And um, if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a very long time, can I just invite you to stick your hand up in the air right now, really, really high. Thank you for putting your hand up, I've seen you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are the God of the second chances, that you love, you love us so much, that you're so compassionate. And I pray this morning with, I can't remember how many, eight, nine people who stuck their hands up this morning to say yes to following you. Lord, um, we pray that you would bless them, that you would wrap your arms of love around them and that you'd help to, to nurture them in their faith with you as they begin this new journey with you. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And guys, there's, there's a second response, which is for, for all of us here this morning. And the response is this, you, um, you can stay in your seats because it should be a response that all of us should be processing. But with this word about being narcissistic, about being self-absorbed, I'm pretty sure some of us have an inkling of very small bit of selfishness within you. And I wanna offer everybody the opportunity to come before the Lord. You can, you can come down here at the front, you can kneel down, you can come forward. It can be everybody, you can stay in your seat however you want to respond. But there's something important about coming forward before the Lord and coming before Him and saying, yes, I'm, I'm here. I want to change my heart because you love me and you know the best for me. And so what I'd love to invite you to do is, if that's you, to come to the front in just a moment and just to say, yes, um, I want you to change my heart. And somebody might stand alongside you and might start praying for you, but the real thing there is the thing between you and God, um, the connection that you have with God and the prayers that you're praying. So if that's you, I encourage you to do that in just a second. And then secondly, if you, want God to stir this heart of compassion within you where you're like, oh, I know I don't care enough or it feels like you're dead on the inside or you want to fan the, fan the flame or chuck on the fuel to the fire, then there's also another response to get prayer for that as well and say, God, can you help me to care um, like you care? for these people as well. Um, so thank you so much for listening. We're gonna worship, I'm gonna pray, and I do encourage you to come forward now. So Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you that your mission is so good and it's such good news for us. And would you stir our hearts again today to care about the things that you care about, to care about the people you want to reach out to. And we thank you for all those here today who are exploring who you are. And I thank you that you care for them so deeply in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.